Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is the Spiral Foundation's live talk, Evening with the Expert. And this talk is being recorded and will be available on the TalkShoot website for one week. Uh, participants may download this talk for your own use following the presentation. After that time, the talk will be available for sale on the Spiral Foundation website, www.thespiralfoundation.org. And participants may obtain a certificate for AOTA CEUs by following the instructions in your confirmation email and taking a short test on tonight's talk. This talk is the copyrighted property of the Spiral Foundation and may not be copied or distributed without permission. And tonight's topic in our sensory integration and mental health uh, series is sensory integration in teens and young adults, uh, personal perspective. And hello, everyone. Um, I'm Dr. Theresa Mae Benson, and I'm the executive director of the Spiral Foundation. And uh, joining us tonight is Mr. Ronald Torella, and we're very delighted to have him uh, with us this evening to uh, talk to us about um, his experiences. And uh, Mr. Torella is a 26-year-old senior system anal, uh, administrator at uh, Simpress, which is formerly Vistaprint. And uh, he was identified uh, with sensory integration problems as a teenager and received services here at OTA, the Kumar Center, um, as a teen, um, beginning, I believe, at about 16, and uh, currently has uh, his degree in business information systems from MCLA. So we're uh, very happy to have you with us, and thank you so much um, for sharing your experiences with us. Oh, thank you. Terrific. So uh, just so you know, um, Ronnie, uh, to, uh, we have both uh, parents of children with sensory integration problems with us this evening, um, as well as um, therapists who are working with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, adolescents and young adults uh, with sensory integration problems. So uh, kind of with this dual audience, uh, there's a number of different things that I'm hoping we can talk about. And uh, I guess the first place to, to start um, is uh, you had been identified with some sensory integration issues as a, ch uh, a teenager and received some services for those. And uh, so I guess everybody would like to know is, what do you think about that these days? Do you still consider yourself to have some sensory integration challenges today? Um, I mean, I, I don't think it, it would ever fully go away, but I, I think um, I've, you know, improved uh, greatly since going through the services and also, have, you know, become way more aware of what challenges I focused and, and had in the past. Um, so I would say it's it's much better. I, like, you know, I, I'm not, 
I'm more outgoing. Um, uh-huh. I'm able to, you know, be more confident in all the things that I do that would be, I guess, considered something that would be a, a heavy in sensory integration um, in terms of activities as well. Uh-huh. So there's still things that you see as being a challenge for yourself, but it sounds like you're finding ways to manage those better. Yeah, I mean, as a as a child, one big thing I was always afraid of heights, and uh-huh. you know, I think that's something that kind of it's a lot. A lot of people have that in common, and I think that there were things that that would do that would limit me from actually being involved in certain things, and. After going through this, um, it really changed my perception and I guess just the way I viewed doing things and, and how I could do things, um, mm-hmm. I, like challenging myself and also just the ability to, it, it was almost like heights almost weren't a problem anymore. Um, uh-huh. it, it, it felt okay to, say, go up a, a, a steep, uh, narrow staircase um, or, you know, ride a chairlift at a ski resort. Mm-hmm. Whereas those were things that had been problematic for you before. Yeah, it, it, almost to the point where you just couldn't do it. Like your your body wouldn't let you <laughs> proceed. It was like this cannot happen, so don't do it. You just can't do it. Um, okay. And you know, it, it was also, I guess, I, I, it felt very limiting as well. Mhm. Um, so I guess um, let's kind of talk a little bit. Um, it's always hard to know where to where to start the story, you know, uh, with this kind of thing. Um, why don't we actually start at the be- uh, early on and kind of move up to where you're at today? Uh, okay. That might help um, people. So I guess um, the first question would be is, um, you know, growing up, uh, it sounds like, you know, uh, there were some things that were kind of scary for you. Um, and so maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of the uh, experiences you had as a child. Um, what were some of the things that you experienced growing up? Um, were there things that were scary? Did you prefer certain kinds of inputs? Um, kind of what, what was your experience that you, based on what you recall? Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the heights thing was always kind of there. And I guess as a child, you don't really know why um, you don't want to, uh, you know, go up a tower or uh, climb a ladder a certain amount of steps. But it's um, it's just something that you naturally, at least for myself, I didn't want to do. Uh, and the other things would be, I guess, just some, you know, coordination. Uh, I noticed I, I didn't enjoy... Uh, you know, if if you were go to go to a fair, mm-hmm. uh, any kind of ride that would be spinning. Um, okay. And with that, it would kind of like led to okay, well, this roller coaster might go high and it might turn quickly and it might have a loop. So you know what? I don't want to do that because that's going to get me dizzy. I know I get dizzy very quickly. I don't like that feeling. I don't like um, the reaction. You know, like getting sick when you get dizzy. But it, it's you're so sensitive that it's, again, one of those things where you just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, it's it's very limiting. Um, it always felt limiting, and you, I mean, you just, but you don't know. So as, as at those ages, it was difficult to, you know, a very kind of adventurous family that was always outgoing and doing things, and you'd rather just kind of sit down and not do those things. 
Uh-huh. So did you um, feel like most of your difficulties were around movement experiences, or did you also find yourself being sensitive in other areas as well? Um, I mean, mainly movement. I uh, It's funny, I was, I was recently talking to my mom about this. I'm, I'm not sure if this is also part of it as well, but uh, kind of with the way you look at things. But if you're um, – I, I also remember having – if I was ever working on something, I, I used to love taking apart toys very, very small toys and figuring out how they worked. But uh-huh. getting very small toys and putting them back together, so like putting gears or cogs in a little engine or something like that back together, um, it, it was very, if it was, you know, I'm, talk, I'm talking in, incredibly small, almost like watch work. Huh. It's almost like I couldn't do that. My eyes kind of made me sick um, putting okay. little things back together, uh, trying to focus on that. And I'm not sure if that is, plays into this, but I just remember that being uh, an issue as well. Yeah, it does actually, because uh, that um, visual component and that movement component, they go hand in hand. Um, And usually when there's going to be some kind of a a movement uh, or vestibular problem, there's going to be an ocular motor or eye problem as well. Um, So that's not unusual. Um, But that's, that's interesting that you were able to kind of um, identify that as as being a particular kind of a problem. Um, did you feel like you had any difficulties with like tactile sensitivity or auditory? Um, I I always felt like I was uh, I enjoyed visual learning more than uh, I guess listening. Mm-hmm. So I I would say yeah I, I mean I, I recall also. You know, my mom would always mention that, you know, I needed to write down instructions from a teacher or the homework, I always have to write things down because, you know, just by listening to it, it would be easy, you know, for me to forget. And, uh-huh. you know, so not know the homework or the, the assignment or the page number for the reading. Um, so I would say there were definitely some auditory issues as well. Okay. Now, um you mentioned your family being kind of uh, an outgoing family. I know you, you come from a pretty large family. You've got a number of brothers and sisters. And uh, so, you know, growing up, um, did you think your experience of the world was really any different from anybody else's? And, um, you know, did you compare yourself with your siblings? Kind of how, uh, yeah. how did that fit? <laughs> yeah, that's, that was always... Um challenging as well because uh you know as as things were obviously not as easy you you would I would watch my siblings do things and of course I wasn't the um youngest but I also wasn't the oldest so it's it, you I couldn't really you know understand well maybe it's just that they're older but you know my younger brother was doing these things as well mm-hmm. so you are constantly comparing yourself and wondering you know what you know almost like what's wrong with me why can't I um, you know, be as good as them, play as many sports as them, mm-hmm. uh, ski as well as them. Why are they faster? Uh, so, so things like that, it, and it's and that can be challenging, and you, because you just you know you don't understand, you don't know, and it's um, yeah, it's difficult. Right now, do any of your other your siblings have any uh, other SI issues, or were you the lucky one? <laughs> uh, I believe I was the lucky one in that. Uh, I got it all. You got it all. <laughs> okay. Um, what about um, sort of like your classmates, things like that? Um, how did how did you kind of compare yourself with your classmates? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I my throughout the years, I guess in uh, elementary, uh, I always hung out with kids that were athletic and um, studious. I, I don't think that you know I spent too. I probably spent compared myself more to my family instead, but I think that uh, there was definitely more noticeable. Like, you, if I remember playing baseball, um, you know, not being very good at. Uh, you know, playing in the outfield, catching balls, where for every other kid it was it was just like second nature. It, it wasn't hard to do um, mm-hmm. or hitting the ball. Um, you know, I, I, I remember many strikeouts and uh, the umpire almost looking as if I, you know, did I really swing that many times? That's uh, <laughs> a, a terrible pitch that was probably in the dirt. Yeah. But, yeah, so there's, there's, there's always – you're always comparing yourself, I think, and especially as a child as you're growing up, uh, you're always going to – kind of be jealous or just wish you could be better, um, which, again, can make things difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think your your folks um, handled your sensory integration problems? How did how do you feel like your, you know, your, your parents handled that? Yeah, I mean, I, my parents were very supportive. Um, my mother, obviously, was always, uh, I think, looking for different things for me to do, stay active. Um, and again, kind of figure out what's the best approach in terms of getting better at all these things. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's it was a very like you know constant like oh you know how did that go? A lot of questions like you know oh do you, do you think you could have been better at this or do you think that um, you, like you, you know why you aren't playing baseball? Why you don't enjoy it? Is it just the game or is it uh, you know, is it something you actually can't do? Is there another sport you'd rather do? Um, mm-hmm. And things like that. So it's just, uh, I, I think they were as supportive as they could have been. Um, and, you know, they I mean, they, they do what they could. Right. Um, so I guess one of, one of my questions um, around that is, um, uh, and, your mom's an occupational therapist, obviously, right. which which helps. <laughs> um, but do you think she identified um, your difficulties as being an SI issue early on, or um, do you think it was something that maybe neither one of you really quite knew what was happening? I I would say I don't know how early on. I would say she definitely knew um, there was clearly something up with me. Uh, I, I do remember, and we, we we were previously talking about how, you know, do I compare myself to other people? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always felt like, and I didn't feel like I was a test child, but I, I did always feel like I was going to do the most evaluations. I, I feel like there was probably, from elementary school up until middle school, um, and even high school, it was like, Wow, I'm 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 constantly being evaluated. I mean, there's okay. really wrong with me. <laughs> oh, um, and did you uh, have any other difficulties in school? Did you have any other learning problems? Yeah, um, I I I think I had uh, not ADHD, but I would definitely have trouble uh, reading comprehension at times. Uh, mm-hmm. I was always on a up until high school, I was always on an IEP, uh, okay. and um, and I, I believe also I had uh, sensory auditory processing disorder. Oh, okay. Um, so, well, yeah, a, a that, lot of, 
that that that's pretty consistent with the uh, the vestibular and ocular motor difficulties. So it's not unusual to see those those things kind of um, fit in together as well. Um, so it sounds like at least from that academic viewpoint, um, those things got picked up pretty early, um, right. which is helpful. Um, I guess one of the things in particular that you've mentioned is um, being not excited about uh, getting up on heights and, and some of the uh, uh, other kinds of movement activities. Um, and I guess that's one of the things that can sometimes be perceived by parents as being, you know, a behavioral issue. You know, mom says, hey, climb up here on the chair, you know, and help me at the wash the dishes or whatever. And it's like, no, I don't want to get up on that chair. Right. <laughs> and and uh, parents can oftentimes perceive that as being willfulness when, like you said, it's it's not. It's It's really just your body not wanting to to do it. Um, and I was wondering if you had had any experiences with that or if if mom was pretty kind of aware of, of what was going on with those kinds of things. Yeah, I think my mother was always very aware. Um, and, and she would know right away if I, if she had, you know, if there was a chair, if there was like a, and I think I can even recall like if uh, times where, you know, um, when you don't feel balanced, right? So if you ever, if I mean, I'm sure someone at one point has tried to stand on a swivel office chair. It's that, mm -hmm. that um, kind of fear, like, well, I, you know, I don't like, I don't have control here. And I, I think my mother would have always understood, uh, you know, that it's like, oh, this is why he's not doing it, and that's so I'm not going to force him to. I was never, I don't think, put in a position where I had to say, um, you know, climb a ladder or go up a step where I felt unstable and your body kind of does that uh, it's, a, it's a strange kind of like quiver like you want to get low to the floor um, mm -hmm. it's like you just you, it's an instant reaction mm -hmm. and I, I think that um, uh, now you've mentioned the heights and you've mentioned kind of the extremes with the movement like the spinning rides and, and the dizziness um, did you have other um, difficulties with uh, some of the sort of the gravitational insecurity kind of things, um, did you were you afraid of like having your head tipped backwards to get your hair washed or um, riding bicycles or sort of any of those kinds of things? Yeah, I can remember um, actually in high school I was uh, doing uh, there was a wrestling practice and one of the things that they make you do is um, uh, roll over so you know roll over on your head so doing flips mm -hmm. and i i just remember that being i i never liked to uh roll over or even in a pool um doing you know like in the you're kind of weightless but just that kind of either backwards or forwards flipping uh -huh. it just didn't feel right um for <laughs> for my head to flip it, it uh -huh. never it always kind of gave me that you know sick feeling in my stomach after doing a couple and right. in school, and in school or during uh, when you're younger, sometimes that was even you know a, a gym class thing. You know, they have you doing cartwheels or something like that. Right. And it just, I could never, I never enjoyed doing that. I wish I could, but it, it just didn't feel right. So I guess that was one of my questions for you was was it um, was it that it just didn't 
feel good for you, or was it like really scary? Um, I think it was it was probably a mix of both, but more on the not feeling good. Uh, okay. Like it wasn't it wasn't something I feared. I wouldn't okay. you know panic that I'm going to have to do this in a class coming up, but it, it definitely didn't feel right. Okay. Um, and um, were there um, particular events that kind of stand out to you <laughs> um, that, uh, you know, as as you were kind of growing up um, that sort of like were like, oh, yeah, that was one of those days or, or one of those experiences. I don't get why people are like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can think back to all different scenarios where, uh, I guess it came into play, and I, I remember I can actually remember certain staircases in certain places. <laughs> say, oh yeah, I remember why I hated those staircases, and um, and one I'll never forget. There was a building that had uh, I mean, these are sta- stairs where they were kind of like slates, so there's nothing between. So it's like you, if you were to stand, um, if you were to look from the top of the staircase, it would just look like a staircase. But when you're from the side, you can see it's open at each step. Yep. Um, and that that was almost like just probably the worst staircase anyone could have made um, for me <laughs> because it was <laughs> like it, it was almost like it wasn't there and you're walking up heights to and, and you just and it obviously you're not going to <laughs> slip through but in your mind or at least in mine it was like wow this just seems like the most dangerous staircase they could have made why did they do this uh, I'll never kind of forget that uh, I, I remember also um the stadium seating was also difficult. And oh, yeah. Very steep angle, um, you know, and, and you don't have a lot of space uh, and you're trying to, like, walk to your chair or, or something like that. That was always um, something I kind of tried to stay away from, balcony seating, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, it, there were all different instances. A lot of it was, like, the height stuff and... Um, and like I said, the flipping, I, I, it wasn't a fear as much, but it was just something I would try and stray away from. Mm-hmm. Did you, um, do you recall any times when you just couldn't do something? Um, you've mentioned several times about feeling like um, these kinds of difficulties were kind of limiting for you. Um, was there anything that you really kind of wanted, really wanted to do that you just really felt like you couldn't do? Yeah, um, I think that looking back, my family was, you know, and still is, was big into skiing, and I think I would opt out of sometimes skiing with the family uh, just because I would be afraid that they might take a slope that was either too steep or too narrow or just too challenging, and kind of, I felt like I kind of missed out on a lot of better opportunities. Um, I I can recall the first time going to... um, first and actually the only time going to Disney World and uh-huh. kind of opting out on a lot of rides as well just because there was the thought like, you know, is this ride going to get me sick even if it's just a straightaway roller coaster? I'd, I'd rather just not do it. I'd rather kind of sit on the sideline and wait and that, right. that happens. Right. So. Okay. Um, as we think about this, um, you've mentioned uh, just a couple of times um, some of the motor skills. Do you feel like you had difficulties with your coordination or, um, you know, motor skills, anything like that? 
Um, probably, I think those are for me. It was probably it's hard to look back and and uh, you know wonder like trying to think about if my motor skills were not as good then, just because it's uh, I guess you're not really analyzing what you're doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I probably I think that I mean I was good at some things in terms of like athletic abilities. I I, I could. I could always uh, shoot a basketball pretty well, but whenever okay. there, when I was ever being, say, guarded by someone, it was, like, completely thrown off. Um, it just couldn't work almost. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm not sure if that if that has anything to do with it. Probably. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, things like, things like that. It's tough to look back and try and wonder, you know, where it played a part. Like I mentioned earlier about the, um, you know, putting small things together, I think, I feel like that was somewhat of a more because that's using your hands and your eyes, and I just remember it kind of giving me that sick, sickness. And you know, again, that's probably something that I'm much better at now. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, uh, it sounds like um, for the most part, you always kind of considered yourself kind of a uh, more studious kind of a kid. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I always enjoyed reading, and um, I guess, yeah, not not playing as many sports as the other kids would, but, um, yeah, reading a lot, and, I mean, I, I'm probably around middle school getting into video games and computers. Mm-hmm. So. And that's what you do now, right? Are you, are you com- on, uh, a com- do you work on, on computers? Yeah, I work pretty much full-time on computers now. Um, writing, uh, you know, scripts or uh, working on uh, projects. And so a lot of project work, a lot of um, team-based work, uh, mm-hmm. and just some physical work as well, at work, uh, as well, just because um, it's a large company we work with, you know, right. fixing things and moving things around. So, so um, tell us a little bit about your uh, OT services. Um, because I think um, both those of us who are therapists and uh, parents um, are in, are interested in sort of what your experiences were with that. Um, what do you remember about it? So I oh I remember at first being a little confused as <laughs> to what I was doing um, because I just recall the, the first stuff was really an evaluation and then. Um, the, the using the spinning board and then the eye exercises. Um, I think it was very interesting to learn. Um, I guess they that that first time where they they spin you and then they they were watching my eyes and as uh-huh. they kind of dart back and forth, realizing that you know that sensation that the room is still spinning even though I'm not moving, like that's what that was. I uh-huh. never kind of put that together because no one, you know, what kid ever spins around in a circle and looks in a mirror. Um, right. That was really interesting for me to to realize, like, that's actually something physically happening, and it wasn't just kind of in my mind. Right. Well, that's good. And I guess that was part of my question. You said it was a little confusing. What did your mom tell you about what you were going to be doing? Um, I think, I mean, I probably I probably just wasn't really paying attention. I'm sure she told me that it was, you know, going to be um, something that would help with my hand-eye coordination or, um, you know, kind of certain things that I could do better 
but uh, at the time it really it was very confusing because even if even if it was all laid out in front of me, I'm sure it, it still wouldn't have completely made sense just because you know where where I was in my life and mm-hmm. you know, just kind of you really just want to go out and play. Because <laughs> you were uh, you were about sixteen, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. And um, when you know you think about that, what do you ha- know? What kind of was the impetus for bringing you in at that point in time? Was it something you were concerned about, or do you think your mom just was like, you know, hey, I think it's time to address this? Uh, I. Th- was probably much more on my mother. Um, I, I mean, I, I and if it was just me, I probably would have. I don't know. I guess ignored it and may may have still been limited to some of the things I do now and not be as adventurous and interested in all the different um, hobbies I've taken up. Or I, I, I probably just it wouldn't even be something that I would have thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of. Uh kind of thinking about that how do you know uh, remember how long you came uh how long i was doing the therapy mhm um i mean i'm i'm going to have to guess it was maybe 3 or 6 months total okay does that seem long no that sounds about right depending on if you uh it was your insurance paying for it that would probably be about right um, so it was relatively short services, um, actually. Um, a lot of our kids come for one or two years, um, occasionally more if they have more difficulties. Um, so that would not be unusual. Um, so that's good. So um, what kind of changes do you think you started experiencing? Um, I, I'll probably never forget uh, the first time going back skiing. Um, so, for instance, as I mentioned that, you know, you would look, I would personally look down a, a, say, like a black diamond and just immediately know I'm not doing that and it would look steep and I could see that it was steep. Um, and I just, you wouldn't even go close to it. But I remember, uh, yeah, that first time going skiing and it it was almost as if, uh, it was like a new, (laughs) a new image in my head. Like I, I was looking at it and it, it just nothing looked like it was really that challenging. And then I wow. recall going down certain slopes and then once at the bottom looking back up and saying, I can't, like, I couldn't believe I had just skied that and not just skied it, but skied it well. Um, wow. And it was, it was like a, almost like a perception had changed in my mind. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And uh, you mentioned that, you, like, you couldn't believe that, uh, you know, you had been able to do that. I mean, do you feel like um, these difficulties impacted on your self-esteem or um, kind of how you felt about yourself? Yeah, I think I think it always does. I think, like I said before, you know, you're always kind of, um, I guess, comparing yourself uh, or, you know, pushing yourself self as well. And yeah, I think it, I think it did. I think it it definitely made me feel good that I could go out with friends and. You know, I, I in college I was I joined and be, became part of the ski club, and you know we we could all go wherever. I never had to worry about you know that we weren't. Yeah, I wasn't going to be able to keep up with people. Um, I'm not as good a skier anymore. You know, I can I can 
hang out with that anyone that wants to go skiing, whether they're good or bad, but we can do all the trails together. Um, so I think it definitely helps uh, self-esteem. Great. What about uh, driving? How uh, was that for you? Um, I think at first driving was something that I was probably a little bit nervous about. I, I can recall in uh, high school uh, a couple instances of just kind of almost not seeing something coming or, um, you know, late reactions almost as if, like, you know, it's like, how did I not see that? Or, okay, there's a stop sign back there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that it kind of made me want to – I didn't like to actually drive very far um, unless I knew exactly where I was going or I knew, you know, the exact path. I I probably would just did not want to go out and do that. but then now, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll drive wherever. I kind of find it a little more fun. Um, it's just not, it's not something I ever think like, okay, I, you know, I could get lost or I don't know that road. I don't know that exact road. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's just kind of like, you know, I go whatever. I want to get to point A to B or whatever, and I'll do that. Well, I'm wondering, were you starting to learn to drive before you came in for therapy, or did that happen afterwards? So I, I probably right around the same time. Um, but what I guess it's 16 is when you can get your permit. Is that right? Right. So probably around that time. Um, but like I said, I wasn't driving a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I was wondering if that was maybe one of the reasons your mom decided to bring you in. <laughs> um, it, it, it probably was. Yeah, because the... they had mentioned that, you know, I was having a lot of problems with driving. Uh-huh. And I will say driving is one of the um, problems that we hear uh, the most um, from adults that uh, have SI issues. Um, drive, you know, driving is, is a big problem. So it's really nice to hear that that's not really feeling like that's a difficulty for you anymore. Right. And I guess one of the other questions I had sort of getting back to some of your therapy services um, for uh, our our OTs who are listening, Um, as a teenager, um, you know, our clinic, as you probably remember, also caters to, you know, a lot of younger children. Kind of how did you feel about coming in with the little kids around or just coming in for therapy? Sort of how did that feel for you? Um, So... I, where I went, I actually, I always felt very, it was very welcoming, and uh, I, I remember the therapist was in, very kind, and she was very um, understanding, I think, of, like, I think she kind of understood, it's like, why am I the oldest person in the room in terms of someone being evaluated? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that was difficult, and just, it's always going to be difficult um, at that age, and also going somewhere where you, you you're like, wow, I'm definitely the oldest person here. Um, but I, I remember the therapist being, you know, very down to earth and it made it easy to go through the therapy and I never had any issues in, in terms of resentment or like, you know, like, let's just get this, I just want to go home. I, I, it was actually enjoyable. Okay. Well, that's good. Do you remember what you liked the best about it? Um, I think I always, I always found the, I mean, I, I, the spinning in the beginning uh, 
wasn't a fan of because it, I would get sick. Uh-huh. So once I kind of got better at that, and then I wasn't, I could, you know, as they ramped it up, and I could spin more and not get sick, and then do eye exercises. I always found that interesting. I always found that to be kind of rewarding. Uh, okay. The, the pro, like knowing that I actually made some progress. Okay. And uh, for our listeners who may not know what you're referring to, um, it's that's the astronaut program. Is what is what we call it. Um, it's Mary Quar's um, astronaut program uh, with the uh, rotation board. They put you on your side as well as sitting up. Right. Yeah, and then did the eye exercises afterwards. Um, do you have any recollection of what was the hardest part? Um. I, I mean, I, like I said, I think the hardest part was the beginning of actually doing the, you know, the spinning when you're lying down and then you're sitting and then you're you're ramping up the, the amount of turns you take and then trying to focus after. Um, I, I think those were always challenging, and, and like hardest part, but it was, like I said, it was also the most rewarding part. Okay. That sounds good. So um, the next thing I wanted to uh, sort of chat a little bit about is um, how how do you feel like you handle uh, things now? How do you manage your sensory needs now? So uh, one thing I try and do, I try and stay like very active. I don't like to um, like sit for too long for, for an entire day. Cause, I mean, mm-hmm. especially at work. Um, I think you know, as you grow up and if you do get into office work or anything like that, you you tend to spend a lot of time. Um, at a desk and not really moving around much. So I like, at my job, I have the ability to actually um, sometimes use a standing desk. Uh, oh. That's become very popular in the office um, where you, you literally get to stand at your desk instead of sitting. Um, we even have, uh, in my cube, some people sit on therapy balls. Um, oh, cool. Or uh, I think they, it used to be like a toy you could buy. It looked like, a, it looked like the planet Saturn. It was a ball with a ring around it. Um, yep. Some people some people stand on those, uh, so you're constantly kind of balancing and testing that out. And actually, it's funny. Sometimes I'll tell people, like, I'll ask them to try and do the uh, some of the sensory things <laughs> that I would do in therapy. Like, for instance, the um, when you try and you know like lift up one leg and then stand on one leg, but then close your eyes. And it's it's so funny to see how quick people will have to immediately put down that leg. Um, <laughs> But uh, that's uh, you know I, that's one of the little things I still like to kind of do sometimes to see make sure I can still actually you know balance it and stand up on one leg with my eyes closed and see how long I can go for um, and like I said just staying active I you know I kind of got into jogging um, mm-hmm. and lifting a little bit um, and then just kind of anything that I can do to uh, I guess just kind of stay active and moving. And, uh-huh. It's better than sitting all day. So, um, and I'd asked you to, to send me some information on some of the sports that you like, and uh, that was actually one of my questions for you, is I noticed that a lot of them are very active. Um, so you, you like to ride and bike now, and um, you said you hunt. Mm-hmm. What do you like to hunt? Uh, mainly deer hunting. Deer? Um, yeah, that's probably the only thing that's, I think you can really hunt much around in Massachusetts. So is it more the, uh, do you actually catch things, or is it more the walking through the woods? 
Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty much uh, walking through the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, the reason I ask is my husband is a hunter, and and he's a walking through the woods hunter. <laughs> yeah, I think I think in Massachusetts it's um, very densely populated, so you spend most of the time walking through the woods. Um, but you know, you also do a lot of prep, so you'll uh, you know practice with a bow, and and that itself is very strenuous, you know, you need to be able to hold a certain amount of weight and also focus on, you know, a point and then mm-hmm. practice kind of that that's I think that's pretty big hand eye coordination. Yeah. So you use a bow? Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that the um archery can be a really nice activity. Uh, it's got a, like you said, a lot of nice heavy work with it. Right. Uh, you know, which is great. Um, and you also said you like snowmobiles and motorcycles. Do you ride a motorcycle? Uh, yes, I uh, actually just came back this weekend snowmobiling. But yes, I ride a motorcycle in the in the summer when it's nice enough out um, to work, just as kind of a cheap alternative means of gas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's also something that that's in like probably the most um, coordinated, demanding thing I do. I think. Uh huh. I mean, you just uh, you never want to go down on a motorcycle. And <laughs> one you. thing you learn about a motorcycle, and that anyone will tell you, is once you're on it, um, you're always falling, uh, and that's just gravity. So you are constantly, you know, your body's constantly trying to stay up, keep the bike up, and you're also have the entire driving aspect and speed aspect and gear shifting. So you're doing so many things it's probably like of of the things i do that's probably the most um motor slash uh visual intensive thing because mm-hmm. um, with snowmobiling it's you know you're out in the snow uh you don't have to worry about shifting and road signs and other cars flying around um and you're also not balancing it as much it's still they're both very motor intensive but um I would say motorcycle is the most challenging. Right. And why do you like those kinds of activities? Um, I I don't even think it's just thrill. I think it's it's kind of something to do. It's it's a fun hobby. It's um, something you can kind of tinker with. It's it's a fun way to get around, but at the same time, it's um, I don't know. It just it's fun to go places on those things and. It's uh, it helps, I guess. Like you, you know, you're you're constantly challenging yourself on them. Mhm. Now you also said you ski. Mhm. And that's something your family does quite a bit, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't um, I haven't done a lot of skiing since college, but in college I did. Uh, like I said, I was part of the ski club, so we uh-huh. we went actually once a week. Um, the school would pay for it, so that always makes it easier when you're not paying for the lift tickets. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think that, um, you know, the activities that that you've mentioned are really pretty uh, intense sensory-rich activities? They have a lot of proprioception and a lot of movement. Do you think that those help you feel more organized or um, kind of more together? It, it, it's funny. Um, yeah, definitely, because uh, you – for one thing, with all those activities, if you're not organized, you're you're most likely going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you, you need to remember, you know, every little detail on those type of machines where if you have any single point of failure, um, it could be very disastrous. So you're always going to make sure you have your helmet. You always have to make sure you have, you know, um, the proper boots, um, the right papers, the right license, uh, a, a GPS or a map, um, the, the proper gloves, the right. So it's everything. It's like all these different things that you, if you don't remember, you're going to have a pretty bad time. Um, so I think that, you know, I've, whenever I go on trips now, I always um, make sure I, you know, laid out, uh, everything's packed properly, it's everything I need, double check, try, you know, because like I said, if you forget one thing, um, whether it's a tool or a part for the, the sled or snowmobile or uh, motorcycle, it's just not going to work. Right. Now, <clears throat> do you think, was uh, organization something that was hard for you when you were younger? Yeah, um, I can remember one thing always being big is, you know, I... Um, aside from textbooks being heavy, uh, I think I, my mother always made me buy uh, the textbooks for all the different courses at the beginning of the year just because I would constantly, like, forget to bring them home from school so then you couldn't do the homework. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that's pretty common. That's a good strategy, though, is to get the textbooks yourself um, so that you don't have to worry about bringing them home. Um, that's, that's a good idea. Um, how did you manage college? Um, I think college was, um, at first, it, the, I think my freshman year was tough. And then from there on in, I kind of just figured out, you know, um, have a plan, kind of get into a method and, and, you know, the same thing every year. Uh, I, I worked, you know, very closely with um, the learning services they had there. Mm-hmm. Um it was all, I always kept, you know, close friends with any classes, or sorry, close friends that were in any of the classes I had, um, you know, putting study groups together. Um, I actually even, at, at one point, um, I had two jobs on campus. Uh, I was, I got involved in the tutor program. Um, oh. Just because, you know, like, of uh, the computer skills I had, I was able to um, become a tutor for multiple, a couple of classes they offered there as well as a uh, teacher's assistant. Um, the good thing about those things is that you get, uh, you know, like AP credit when you mm-hmm. work on those programs as well. Excellent. Excellent. Um, one thing you mentioned um, I think is important for people to know about is you mentioned that you uh, access the learning services at your university. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something a lot of people don't um, realize are all uh, are available to students um, in college. Is um, almost a, I think every university has learning services that can help um, students who have some uh, di- you know difficulties with kind of keeping up with classes or what have you. Yeah, I think one of the best things they do. Um is you also got, uh, when you went through them, uh, you could get preferred classes. So just that aspect of college I think could be difficult, where it's like, you know, picking out your courses for next year, figuring out what you need to graduate. Um, They were very helpful with that. And, again, I was able to get into classes before other students just because, um, you know, going to them or having an IEP with them. Oh, that's great. So... um as we're 
sort of nearing the end of our time, and I want to leave a few minutes for uh, some questions. Um, <clears throat> last couple of things for you. Uh, if you would say how you think your sensory processing difficulties and have kind of influenced you um, as you've gotten to be, yeah, you know, a young man, um, what would you say? It, sorry, influenced as in like to do more things or. Well, I think you know, I it's you know we all have our sensory and motor challenges, and I guess the question is, um, how do you think they've shaped you in terms of the person you are today? So yeah, I think that it shaped me in the way that I kind of I guess discovered it and then decided you know there's kind of two things you could do you could. Um, live with it but you know get over it and kind of do the best you can um mm -hmm. and i think that it's it's kind of been something that's like i kind of challenge myself because if if i was to um ask myself you know 10 years ago oh you know would you jump on a motorcycle or let alone a bicycle um and ride as you know very fast down a road or something like that i probably would say no i would never do that um mm -hmm. but you know it, these are the things that it's like it's like, you know, I'm not going to say no because I can't or I don't think I can do those things. I'm going to do those things because I want, I want to see what it's like. Right. Um, so I think it's probably pushed me to challenge myself a lot more. Well, and it sounds like you've had a really great attitude about it um, because I think that's, that's a totally awesome attitude. Um, so many young people, um, kind of, you know, who are oversensitive to things kind of retreat away from things and don't really sort of see them as challenges to be overcome, you know? So that, that's a really awesome attitude. And uh, we can tell that it's really paid off for you because uh, you're doing all these great things <laughs> that it sounds like you wouldn't have done before. Um, if you could give some advice to um, parents who, what do you think they should know about how their children experience sensory integration problems. What would you what would you tell a parent? Um I mean, it's kind of tough for the not parent, but I I think that it's it's not something that's uh anything that is like, you know, it's not a something to be ashamed of and I think it's something that you can definitely um improve on and overcome and you know, I think that there's nothing that should ever think like, oh well, you know, if if my child has these problems and they're not going to be able to do these things. I don't think there's anything that you really can't, you know, go forward with. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's like, oh, well, well we, we just won't do that. It's, I think that it's like, you know, why not? You can do right. whatever you want. Excellent. And what about for therapists who are working with kids? Um, what do you want, what should you, what should they know? Uh, about working with uh, adolescents and young people. Um, I think that it's that they should know that it it can pay off, um, and that it's I would say probably life changing. It's very um, rewarding, probably, it, it, and you should feel um, kind of good about the fact that you can actually make a difference. Um, 
Oh, I just had a thought about it and it went right out of my head. Um, you mentioned uh, that your therapist was very sort of down to earth and matter of fact. Um, is there information for therapists about sort of interaction uh, with uh, teens that might be helpful for them to know about? Was there a particular way that your therapist worked with you that just was really helpful? Um, I think she was, she was just very um, understanding and kind of nothing was forced. It was just kind of like, you know, you know, there were options, I think. I, I, I remember there were many times where it was like, oh, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? So just kind of that 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 ability to pick what you want to do instead of kind of going down like a, a routine of the same thing every time. I always okay. kind of enjoyed that. Okay. And what about other teenagers and other young people? I mean, if you ran into one of your, your coworkers or um, – you know, a, a colleague at, at college, and you realize they had a similar kind of difficulty. Um, now, what would you, what would you say to them? Um, well, it's it's, it's funny because I um, actually coached the uh, a softball team at uh, the company, and there are there are many people that I think they they kind of sign up for it, but at the same time. Um, they have, I can kind of like see some of the issues that I was having that they might be having. And I've actually just kind of talked to them about it um, and mentioned how there are, there are therapies out there that can help improve certain things that um, you might have difficulties with. And, right. you know, I often mention that it's like, yeah, I've, I've done this and it's, um, I definitely think it worked. Excellent. So it's never too late, right? No. Yeah. I think that's a, a really important point. Um, I think a lot of people think that uh, once a child's past middle school uh, or gets into middle school, it's kind of like, okay, you're done, and there's not too much that can be done about it because the schools are often not wanting to provide services uh, once kids get to be a little bit older. But uh, it's never, never really too late for that. So... Um, that's fantastic. And what I'd like to do now is uh, we've got a few minutes left, and I'm going to just open up our phone lines here. And um, if people have questions, um, we can take your questions. So your phones are open. So if you're joining us on the phone and you have questions, we'd be happy to take those. And if you're on the computer, you can just type them in the chat window. Don't be shy. I get, um, my name is Jen, and I'm a parent calling in tonight. Okay. And my question is, um, I have a child currently at the Kumar Center who is younger, who is five, receiving sensory integration support. Mm -hmm. And I have a teenager who I'm questioning whether she was a child who we missed some sensory integration Um issues and now is struggling with anxiety and I'm wondering if there is a connection between um, sensory integration issues and anxiety. There are. Um, there's a very well um, documented relationship uh, between those two problems, especially with um, sensitivities um, 
to uh, movement or touch, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, your therapist could give you several articles uh, on adults um, that document that relationship between um, anxiety and, and the sensory processing. Um, Ronnie, is that anything you ever had any difficulty with? Yeah, I think that um, that's, that's interesting because I think that probably does go hand in hand. I think the kind of fear of the different perceptions are so like the fear of heights, that kind of anxiety, um, or the flipping or the spinning. There, there is definitely. An, I always felt like there was an anxiety to go along with that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and sometimes it can be pretty subtle. Um, different, you know, difficulties can can still contribute to that that kind of a problem. So that's that's a distinct possibility. Okay, and is the the first step going through evaluation? Yes. To determine, okay. Yeah, that's the first step always um, is to, you know, get a get an evaluation so we can identify um, what's happening exactly. Um, and then from there, um, a treatment plan can be developed. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. All right, anybody else? Questions? Do you have any questions, Ronnie? Uh, not that I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> From this end? Nobody has questions. Okay. Well, then we'll wrap up. It's about that time. So thank you so much. This, I think this was really um, helpful uh, for people to, to hear about your experiences. Um, uh, not only in terms of how it you know it, it it kind of felt to have these difficulties um as a child but also i think um to see that their you know services can make a big difference um even in a in in an, a teenager um which i think can be really really good and uh i really appreciate you uh taking the time to uh share share your thoughts uh, so so openly with us um, uh, I think that's that's really excellent um, we need to to hear these things from people who are experiencing them right so our time is up now and we'd like to thank you all for joining us um, watch our website and our mailing list uh, for more details Thank you, uh, Mr. Terrell, very much, and uh, thank you to our participants for joining us for our live talk, uh, Sensory Integration and Mental Health Series, and watch our website, um, www.thespiralfoundation.org, for our next live talk presentation and to obtain copies of past programs. And everyone have a great evening. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.